Hello and welcome to the First Rule of Film Club. I'm Hannah. I'm Eddie. And I'm Alex. And each week we come together to discuss a film, play a little game um, and just have a nice chat. So what film are we discussing today? Well, this week's film is Capernaum. And just to let you know, there will be spoilers, um, so turn off if you care about that. Switch yeah. off now! Uh, so the, the synopsis of this film is, while serving a five-year sentence for a violent crime, a 12-year-old boy sues his parents for neglect. Oh. Well, that's not really the tagline that they reel you in on it. He's suing them for being born. Yeah. yeah. That is quite a concise synopsis, though. I think they've kind of just boiled it down to the most basic possible form of the film and it is quite a basic film so that is fair enough <laughs> yeah i think it's so the whole film is kind of based on like it's not based on a true story but it's based on like a mixture of true stories and one of those is this boy who, who sued his own parents basically for saying you shouldn't give birth to me because you couldn't afford it my life was rubbish so i'm seeing you because you know you shouldn't be allowed to have any more children basically mm. and it kind of it's not the main part of the film but it's kind of like the sort of the, the kind of dramatic question of the whole thing really yeah it's quite a sad film overall uh, what did you guys think about it? It made me feel really bad for any time I've ever complained about anything. <laughs> because his life is just so difficult. And actually, I thought it was a really good film and really um, interesting to see a different culture and just how poverty in Lebanon is just seems so awful and so difficult to get out of. It made me think about a lot of different kind of things that I guess that we'll discuss. But overall, I liked it, but I did find it quite tough to watch. I kind of found the the opposite. Like I, I thought it was tough to watch, and I thought it was you know some parts were pretty you know pretty sad. But I thought it was going to be even worse. Like sometimes you watch these films, and like literally the most horrific things happened. Like the main character, you know, they get like attacked or like beaten or abused, and you know, it's gonna, I, I was worried it's going to be one of those films where you literally at the end you just feel like completely yeah. like dead inside. I was a bit concerned that it. Yeah, I was a bit concerned it would be like poverty porn. Yeah, like, yeah. You know where it just. It's like, oh, it's so grimy and rubbish. Look, it, like, kind of rubs it in your face. And there is, uh, to be fair, there is, like, no joy in the film whatsoever. Yeah. I think that's part of the point, though, that, you know, at the end, spoiler alert, <laughs> at the end, he he does that smile, like, you know, they're trying to take a mm. picture of him. They're like, no, no, smile, smile. And then he does smile. And that's when you realise you haven't seen him smile for the entire bloody film. And it's such a rewarding moment. Mm. Yeah, and no, I think that's a really good ending. Because it does hit you, you do think, oh, geez, yeah, I actually don't know what he looks like when he smiles. Because his face is just, his mouth is completely downturned for like 90 yeah. minutes of the film. I think I, I just always felt a bit on edge in the film because I thought that that horrible, like, abusive moment was coming. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's like the fact that it's mm. possible is what really gets to you. I think it's that feeling that it, it's about to happen, it's about to happen. Mm. It doesn't have to happen because you already feel like it's, it's you know, like the threat is there. So, that's ninety nine percent of the yeah. of the thing is the anticipation. Thought it did that really well. Yeah, you are put on edge. Like, there's a lot of bits where like he'll be kind of out in like a city at night or whatever, and there's kind of you know there's just shots of kind of quite dodgy looking people, like men, kind of sort of like looking at him or looking mm. at his sisters and kind of ruffling their hair in a bit of a weird way. So I think, like you just said, like the, the, even the stuff that doesn't happen, you're always a bit worried that something worse is going to happen. There's always that kind of threat that. You know, it's like when you're a kid and you, you're kind of playing out with your friends on the streets and it's getting a bit late and like there's just just that feeling that, you know, you need to be careful because something could, something bad could happen, you know. Because when you're a kid, you're just so like vulnerable. I thought Zane was such a great main character. Yeah. 
I like that he's like you know obviously he goes through a lot of stuff, but he has got character, and he's like you can tell he's like tough, and he's you know he's been toughened through all these things, and he's quite street smart. Like when he finds out his sister is kind of you know she's kind of reaching like a certain age where his parents are going to kind of marry her off, he kind of you know starts doing things to try and like you know keep it keep it hidden, and trying you know keep her from being like you know married off. So you can tell he's street smart. He's not just like a a stupid kid. Yeah. When he runs away, his life's actually kind of better than when he lives at home because he's so resourceful. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how you guys felt when you watched it, but I kind of was sat at home like on a rainy day and mm. I kind of put this film on like a like I'm ready for sadness to ensue. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready yeah. to feel the feels. And in a weird yeah. way, like I did feel the feels and I felt like sad for this person's predicament and the world that they lived in. But I also felt like it was such an enriching like you know, it was a beautiful film and it had like a lot mm. of things that you don't see often on the screen. Like it's a world unto itself where people aren't concerned with social climbing and stuff like that. They're concerned with staying alive and surviving. Mm. And mm. it was quite, it felt fresh. Like um, by the time I'd finished it, I felt really like, I think the word is probably just enriched by it. Like a real, mm. God, I feel lucky, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You appreciate. It. I think it. I really like the beginning when like there's kind of shots of Zane and his friends and they're running through these like slums and like these like huge kind of like kind of rundown skyscrapers all around them. Mm. And they just and then it kind of cuts away to like a camera like shot above the city and you kind of you feel like they're just kind of like you know just in a maze like they're just trapped in this kind of like huge kind of like you know just enormous like you know mouse maze basically. And I really like that. I like from the get go you kind of you brought into like this kind of world and you just brought into this kind of. Well, because the name of the film Capernaum. When it comes up in brackets, it says below it chaos, which I guess is the translation. Mm. Oh, is it? That's amazing. Mm. Oh, that's a great little tidbit, I think, because I didn't realise that. I was I was wondering if it had some kind of um, reach beyond just the word. And I did. It, mm. They say it at some point in the film. Yeah, I think there's a few bits where I've heard them saying. You hear them saying Capernaum. I think the old man says it at some point for some reason. Mm. What the spider cro- cockroach man? Yeah. Spider-Man's cousin. <laughs> I liked him. <laughs> yeah, he was good. He should have been in it a bit more. I thought he was a good character. Yeah. I thought he was going to be a really big thing, you know, when he runs away to the fairground. Mm, I thought he was going to sort of take him under his wing and it's going to be like a kind of sort of buddy film. But mm. I quite like about this film, it does feel a bit like a kind of novel where there's like sections, there's like a chapter where he's living with his family and then he's at the carnival and then he's living with the what's-her-face. And to, like to jest. To jest. And even though not a huge amount happens in each of those bits, it does feel like you, you feel like you are there with him and you feel like you're kind of you're going through this thing and even when he's there's not much going on because there can't be much going on because they've got no money and they're just trapped. But you do feel like you just you're living there and you're living with them and and you know, you're just kind of experiencing it alongside them, you're not just watching. Definitely. And I think it's very show don't tell. Like um the whole film there's actually not a lot of dialogue. I felt mm. I felt like a lot of it was um even a lot of the dialogue that there was was repeated. Um, it was just mm. people getting, you know, angry with each other. Like, there's not a huge vocabulary in the film. It's just yeah. like, you know, people saying the same thing over and over to each other or, or not saying anything to each other and just looking yeah. at each other like, you're disappointing me or you're upsetting me or you're getting in my way. Mm. And so, yeah, the whole thing is very just like immersive in that way where you don't really, you kind of switch off your brain and start feeling what the characters are feeling. That whole thing makes me realise that actually people weren't really talking to Zane throughout the film. You know, there's not a lot of dialogue because a lot of the time people aren't taking the time to speak to him. And um, that, I guess that ties into the whole lack of documentation thing, how he just basically wasn't a person 
for practically the whole film in his parents' eyes or in the world's eyes. He was just kind of this guy on the street begging for scraps and stuff. I'm not surprised that he, you know, felt neglected and felt like he shouldn't have been born because he essentially didn't have a life. Yeah, he didn't really have an identity. He's not. I don't. His, his parents never really kind of like. You, ne- you never see any like moments of affection between him and his parents. Like in this, you can tell in their little house. There's just so many kids, and there's just so much, so much kind of like. There's just not enough time or room to like have that kind of bond. I don't think. Yeah. yeah. And I like that. Going back to the dialogue, like I feel like the dialogue all, it always feels really like basic. It's no. No one ever gives any speeches. There's no kind of like Hollywoody speeches about old poverty and he kind of leaps onto a car roof and he goes into some kind of like Shakespearean monologue it's just it's just basically it's just saying what people would say in that situation mm. Mm. did you get a vibe that like um Zane was a bit of a messiah figure for me at the end he almost came across like a really really like wise beyond his years he clearly made a big impact with kind of suing his parents and you know being the first to kind of bring this question to like the main media of saying, you know, why should, I've been through all this suffering, I've, you know, I've had to experience all this, and I don't want anyone else to have to mm. suffer what I've been through, basically. So, I, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, he really just doesn't have a childhood in the film, mm. and you kind of feel like from the beginning that he is an adult already, because you mm. never see him playing with his siblings, he's always going out to work, he can't go to school, you know, he just basically doesn't have anything that, children should have he just has all the responsibility of adulthood straight away Mm. i really struggled to come up with any criticism for this film just because it was so unique for me yeah no i I think there are some bits which felt a little bit slow but i I kind of like that i like that slow feeling of like because you you kind of part of you wanted the next bit to come on like you know there's that bit where he's living with um Raheel slash... Raheel, yeah. Oh, and she, Jonas, you And she disappears. It's just those two basically just trying to survive for a, li- a large chunk of the film. But you want it to end, but not because you want that bit of the film to end, but you just want them to get out of that situation. You want them to try and, you know, find a way out and escape. So it's kind of... I think it, it works. The bits which are slow work in the sense that you feel like you're there and you're trapped in that situation. And you just want things to get better because you want... You know, you like them. You want to go somewhere else. You want to. You, you don't want to be stuck in that, in those kind of four like corrugated iron walls anymore. Yeah, you feel a bit rudderless as you're going through that bit of the film yeah. because they also have no objectives other than just to survive for for like a good thirty minutes or so. Yeah. What did you think about the question? The main question, I guess, about how if you don't have the ability to look after your children, that you shouldn't have any children. I don't know. I think what I like about this film is like, I like a film that can kind of make me swing back and forth a little bit on like an opinion because most of the film I was thinking, yeah, to be fair, I was kind of agreeing with Zane saying, you know, they shouldn't be allowed kids, they shouldn't, if you can't afford it, you shouldn't be able to do it. But there's that bit when his mum comes to visit him when he's in prison and she's kind of talking about, you know, how she always wanted to have kids and all this and that and stuff and getting really upset. And then I kind of swung the other way. I was like, actually, to be fair, it's, it's a human right if you want to have children, you know, no one should be able to take that away from you. Even if you're poor, even if you can't afford it, it's like a basic, you know, it's the most basic thing humans are designed to do, really, if you, if you strip it all the way back. But I think the thing that swung it the other way for me was the whole representation of Raheel, where she'd clearly moved to Lebanon to get earn more money to send back home to her family, but she was lonely and her job wasn't very fulfilling and she was super stressed about all the permit stuff. But her child was kind of the best thing in her life. Jonas really kind of was her whole reason for living um so then that made me feel like okay well actually it's nothing to do with 
how much money you have or like your capacity or whatever if you've got the capacity for love and the ability to really care about your child then that's the thing that really matters rather than the money but maybe that's naive i don't know Mm, i think um it's super divisive obviously as an issue and i've always i think i just believe in obviously people's right to choose their own paths through this and that's why i think my viewpoint is really shaped by how deterministic you view the world to be you know if you have a child and you can say outright that they're going to have an awful life and they're not going to enjoy any of it then I think if you are on that level of determinism I would agree with that person in saying that the child shouldn't be born because I think that's sad you know just to introduce only suffering but I think um, there's obviously a case to be made that that's not the way things are people's scenarios can change you know like it maybe he does get to switzerland in this film because that's one of his driving factors that becomes his motivation is to get out of the slums that he lives in and and go somewhere where people don't question who he is and why he's there and um i don't know there's obviously that flip side that if you can change your own stars then anyone should be born anywhere and in terms of the determinism thing as well maybe the onus isn't on the people who were in poverty to try and break out of that. There's also an onus on the government and, um, you know, the society to create the space for people to move out of the, I guess, social stature and in inverted commas that they're born into. But it's hard because you, you can be born in like a super rich country to like a really rich family. You know, you could have all the things you could ever want, and you can still have a rubbish life. Like your life can still be you know boring or unfulfilled or whatever so it's, it's not just obviously money does make a difference but there's no formula to have a good life there's no formula to have a but bad but you have life. the opportunity to do something i think mm. that's the difference is you get the impression that zane and all of his siblings just have to hustle like they can't go to school because they need them to make money for everyone to be able to survive and that's not that's not entirely on them that's also partly on the whole structure of the society yeah that's why Zane has the basis to sue his parents, though, I guess. It's because he's making the point that there's nothing he could have done differently, you know, to, to reduce the suffering in his life and, and the people he knows. Mm. I also wondered a little bit if the film was trying to make a point about, um, you know, beauty in uh, suffering a little bit. Like, I feel like this isn't a fully baked thought in my own head, but it's like the <laughs> idea that... Uh, it's quite a beautiful film. Like, I don't think it's... It hasn't been engineered to look rubbish, you know, like some films are. And I think it casts the slums in quite a colourful way. Just, I found that engaging, and I think it might be a point. It never looks bleak. It's like, even when they're in, like, really busy slums, there's always lots of colour, and there's always... The sky's always blue, even if everything else is, like, grey and horrible. But there's... It always looks nice. It's always nice to look at, even when you're looking at, like, just piles of, like, rubbish that have just been chucked in a corner or you know, just like rolls of toilet roll. Somehow it just makes it all look nice. Yeah. It's trying to kind of sort of show you that kind of childish wonder maybe of that kind of, you know, even though it is kind of this big scary world and it's horrible, but you're kind of seeing it through a kid's eyes and it's still quite exciting and colourful despite all that. Yeah, I would say it's a tough watch as a film goes, but it is actually quite a, like a beautiful watch. It's, it could be tougher. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, maybe yeah. part of the reason they did that was so that more people would see it. So people aren't put off from watching it because they think, oh, this is just going to be really depressing and bleak and grey and, you know, it is beautiful to watch and you, you come out of it feeling like you've learnt something and I'm happy I watched it. I probably never would have picked it. Yeah, same, I same, yeah. You know, I think maybe that's part of it. 
so do we move on to ratings or is there anything else people want to say? Oh yeah, I just wanted to touch on the whole like Sahar thing. You know his sister who gets married off. Oh yeah, yeah. Um and then dies because she is pregnant too young. Oh, that's heartbreaking. And in the courtroom, the judge kind of questions it and says, you know, do you think 11 is an appropriate age to marry? Which I think was quite interesting that they included that because it's almost kind of forcing that question of, you know, does this need to be questioned? I mean, from my perspective, obviously it does. But when he answers the question, he basically just says, oh, well, you know, my mother was married at 11, her mother was married at 11. It's always happened. And there's this idea of tradition kind of dictating these people's lives and your whole destiny before you've even had a chance to do anything about it. Well, even in, like, England and stuff, it's only, like, a few hundred years ago that we were doing the same thing and people getting married off at the age of, like, ten and stuff. It's not Mm. too far back, you know, even though now we think of that and we think that is just messed up and it's just completely wrong. Well, I guess it's framing another villain in the film. It's framing... Because, obviously, the villain that the child sees is his parents... But maybe the film's trying to suggest that tradition could be another, you know, root cause of suffering. Yeah, it's true, because his parents kind of said, we didn't really know what else to do with our lives. So I guess you could infer from that that they basically just did what their parents did, which was have a bunch of kids and then get them to help you work to survive. So, yeah, you're right. It's Zane sees it as his parents are the problem, but actually the reason why his parents did what they did, they just looked around and did what they saw and they did what was expected of them. Yeah. Well, I also think it's kind of questioning, you know, kind of the, the amount of life that's just been thrown at these kids, like, at such an early age. Like, do you think, you know, that at the age of 11, they've already had to, you know, just work, like, you know, full jobs. They have to get married, you know, they've, like, lived on the streets. You know, they've done so many things that most people in, the, you know, our country either never have to do or don't have to do until they're, like, you know, in their 20s. Yeah, it's a, definitely a far cry. But, you know, all these things... Are, they, they just get forced <laughs> to, like, you know, do all these things, like, straight away. You know, they have no chance to have a childhood. And, uh, yeah, I feel like that they're kind of bringing that to light a little bit there as well. So what would you guys have rated this one? I think I'd give this a... I think give this a sort of eight and a half. I think it's really it's really beautiful. It's, it's really nice. You know, it, it, it touched me and it's... You know, I think it's it's really interesting that it's kind of showing these kind of true stories and, you know, stuff that you just, you know, you don't really hear about. But kind of showing it not in such a bleak way, you know, but in kind of, you know, just in a really... I don't know, just really kind of beautiful yet horrible way. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say that I would give it a seven and a half um, because I agree with you. It did really touch me and it was really interesting to see a story from a completely different part of the world that I don't really know very much about at all. And I always like hearing other languages, so that was nice. But I think the whole section where we said it felt a bit rudderless even though I understand why that was for the plot and for the whole like feeling, I don't think I would watch it again just because I think watching it again, knowing what happens, that bit would be a bit boring. Mm. Um, but I think it's bringing up really important questions and saying really important things, and it does it in a really effective way. So definitely deserves probably higher than that in terms of <laughs> actual impact, you know. But um, just for me, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. I think um, for me, it's probably, I really enjoyed it. And I think I might have enjoyed it more because I sort of did it as a double bill. I watched a film called Les Mis or uh, Les Miserables, which, yeah, is not based off of the play. It's to do with sort of, um, you know, police and their relation to poverty in Paris. And 
if you watch the, these two films back to back work really brilliantly so I think for me doing that back to back made this film like a 9 out of 10 wow. oh. because it's almost like this film portrays a lot of stuff to do with poverty and suffering but it doesn't really give you a solution and then Les Miserables which I watched subsequently talks about poverty and suffering but then it gives you a worst case scenario and it's almost like a cautionary tale of what happens when you allow suffering to escalate. Mm. And, uh, you know, people take action into their own hands kind of thing and, and bad thought prevails kind of thing. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, ultimately, I feel super enriched by it. Would I watch it again? Probably yes. And would I recommend it to someone else? Probably yes. It's definitely a 9 out of 10. Mm. Oh, I feel a bit mean now. <laughs> well, I, well, to be fair, I know what you mean by that bit feeling slow, but to be fair, because I watched it like two or so weeks ago, and then you were watching it the other day, and I kind of rewatched that bit. But it wasn't slow. The second time I came back in, it felt, you know, just as exciting and, and interesting as it had the first time. It didn't feel slow. I think d there's just, even the bits that should be slow, where there's not much happening, just the way it's shot and the way things happen and the, the kind of constant tension just make it always interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely one with a lot to like get out of it mm. so I, s I suppose i can imagine like watching it another time you probably yeah. get different things from it awesome yeah okay well i have prepared a little game Ooh. um i thought actually it's straying quite far from the film because right. the film's okay. obviously quite serious <laughs> and, there's um, no games in the film <laughs> the, the film deserves a lot of respect <laughs> and it's very serious not very frivolous so instead i thought we'd look at a completely undeserved set of lawsuits, <laughs> most of which come from America. Yeah. Um, and you have to do real or no real. So you need to tell me whether these lawsuits are okay. real and actually people put them to a court of law and tried to sue someone for that. Okay. Or if they're no real, um, and I just made them up. Okay. I put them in a completely random order. Okay, well, that's smart. So you can't just guess. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Is there a prize? Um, there is the prize of a job well done. And Independence Day Resurgence. We've got another copy of that if you want it. <laughs> <laughs> that you. Um, okay, so let's start with. A Thai man sued Bangkok Railway Station for slipping on a banana peel as a failure of civic cleanliness. <laughs> the banana peel, that's something like cartoonish. I don't even think you could slip on them in real life. I thought that was just cartoons he slipped on them. No, 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 they could be slippy. It depends Deadly. how ripe the banana is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Depends if they've licked the inside of the banana clean. <laughs> and what surface you're slipping on. Like, you know, yeah, if it's already true. slippy to begin with, the and banana peel's not going to help. Yeah, I can see that. It's, actually, it's yeah. well known for being a slippy station. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, it, I'm going to say true because I can imagine getting very upset if I slipped on a banana peel like that and needing to blame someone. Yeah, a train station as well. Like, like you know, if you fell in front of it, because it's an embarrassing death as well, I think. If you slip on a banana skin and then get hit by a train... I think it's going to be like the elephant in the room at the funeral. Everyone's just going to be thinking, you know, it's, like, <laughs> it's sad, but he did slip on a banana skin and die. So I think I'd be worried about that. That flashed before my eyes. So yeah, I, I think that's true. 100% true. Too easy. So you're both saying real. Yeah. I can reveal it is no real. Oh. I made it up. Oh, you're kidding me. So you're currently on nil all. <laughs> a New York woman sued CBS, the city of New York, and two transit authorities for injury from a fall triggered by a scary poster. Oh. <laughs> Does it say what the poster was? No. How do you fall over from being scared, though? That's what I don't get. I guess if you jump backwards, 
if you're kind of on a on a ledge of a building and you see something scary, you jump back. Yeah, but no one actually jumps though. People like hyperventilate. They go <gasps> or like you know they. <laughs> I've, I don't I've know. Like, back you don't jump. I've jumped before. I think when I've gone into like a a room and a dark room and something's moved, I've sort of you know I've jumped back. Like, one time you scared me and I just collapsed on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, were you hurt? No, I just. Uh, I came into a room and I wasn't expecting anyone to be in, in the there. Wardrobe, yeah. And then Eddie jumped out and I basically just like collapsed <laughs> and curled up in a ball. Yeah. Well, that's a shame because you could have you could have sued him if you did get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> well, I said to you, if I actually was a murderer, like what are you doing? Like just you just made it easy for him to like kill you. You just crawled up into a ball on the floor. <laughs> okay, it's it's no true. I think true. It's America, and I think Howard. You know, if you think something's too ridiculous to be true. If it's set in America, you have to add another kind of 50% to that kind of, like, disbelief. <laughs> um, yeah. So Eddie's saying real, Alex is saying no real. The answer is actually real. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is ridiculous. America never, so. America never ever disappoints. This shock advertisement, as the woman <laughs> called it, um, was for Dexter. Um, and it was uh, the image of him where he's got the cellophane over his face, you know, um, and he's sort of gasping. It's not that scary. I thought it was going to be, like... Yeah, well, she didn't win, so the judge didn't yeah. think so either. Oh. Right. A Missouri man sued Hershey's because the boxes of Reese's Pieces he purchased contained too much air. Oh, my God. What? A, a people's champion? <laughs> Everyone's thought that when they've opened a Walker's packet of crisps. Too but, much air. But Reese's Pieces aren't like that. Reese's Pieces, they're like on like a tray. Of no, like... this is in America where it's like the little candies of Reese's Pieces. So they're like raisin Yeah, uh, raisin they come sheets. in cardboard boxes. Why is that a thing? And you can shake they're them. Definitely oh, true. Oh, like the little ones. Yeah. I think they're quite full, though. I think if someone's going to sue something... For having too much air in it, I think Walkers would surely be first. I don't think you'd instantly go to Reese's Pieces. Yeah, but you can never have enough candy. Is the thing. Like I feel like <laughs> if Reese's want America. to, if Reese's want to sponsor us as well, then they can feel free because I think they're really generous actually with their portion sizes. <laughs> so I think they wouldn't do that. I don't think that's true. Oh well, I'm going to go true. I'm going true. I'm desperate. I need. I need this to come off, please. <laughs> the answer is real. Yes. So it's one all. Thank you. Yeah, he, he lost because the judge didn't understand how he'd been injured by this. <laughs> it's probably extended his life, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> a 68-year-old Dutchman filed a suit to legally change his age to avoid ageism in his career or on Tinder. I think I've heard of this guy. But surely they're going to see his photo. Surely they're going to see a photo that if he changes his age to like 18, that's just a photo of an old man fishing. Mm, I think no I remember this guy I think this is true I think I've seen him on the news because I was not in support <laughs> what are you saying Eddie? I can honestly I can see within about 10 years time it actually being a thing where most people are allowed to legally change their age so <laughs> age I forward. think true yeah I can see I actually can see it being a thing the answer is real yeah um, but he lost because mm. apparently many rights and uh, obligations are age based, so it'd be too complicated to yeah, change like, it. If he changes his age to 17, would he not be able to buy beer anymore? Yeah, well, exactly. They yeah. couldn't be bothered to deal with that headache, so yeah. they just scrapped it. Mm. And it's creepy as heck. <laughs> <laughs> I just love how one of the reasons he cited was that women, women weren't swiping right on him because he was too. Why old. is he on Tinder? You're on a different dating website. Tinder's yeah. a young. People. Match.com. Yeah. Now that is ageist. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the sort of you know thing he was trying to avoid. A woman from Florida sued her plastic surgeon for making her too attractive. 
I've heard people suing the other way around. I don't know why you would sue someone for making you too attractive. Yeah, what I'm thinking as well. What reasons would there be? Unless maybe you worried people wouldn't take you seriously enough if you're too attractive, or I'm gonna have to say no. Real, I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't really see how you could. I don't know. Yeah, there's no narrative that. in my head that fits that. <laughs> so you're both saying no real. The answer is no real. Oh, we're yeah. too good. So to all. Okay. It's neck and neck. A French woman sued Whiskers Cat Food for giving her cat depression due to unrealistic portrayals of feline beauty in their ads. Mm, no. No but to be fair, you know, like we've had body dysmorphia yeah. everywhere except for cats, haven't we? <laughs> but how is a cat watching TV and looking at that? Because she, she bought it. The cat didn't buy it. Yeah, no, but the cat saw a beautiful cat so and she, it went, oh, I'm not as beautiful as that cat. I can't lick my fur as well as that cat can lick its fur. I, I'll, never, I'll never look that but good. Was the cat... oh, 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 I'm sad cat, sad cat. <laughs> surely, surely the cat would be suing, though. Surely the, sat would, the cat would be there in a court wearing a little suit with his kind of clipboard. I don't think she can sue on behalf of the cat. No, you the can, cat, the cat you can sue, sue on behalf of the cat because the cat's not going to get its own lawyer, is it? It doesn't understand. It's just too stupid. Like, <laughs> I think, for sure, I think true, because people care about the mental well-being of their pets. I don't even think they sell whiskers in France, though. I'm going to say no. They do sell whiskers in France. Okay. Eddie's saying no real. Alex is saying real. Yeah. The answer is no real. Oh, oh that's bullshit. <laughs> I was starting to doubt myself there. <laughs> it's okay. Come back, people. There's no sad cats here. <laughs> A Texan man sued his date for using... Whatever it is, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) How how ludicrous it is. Did he sue the person he shot or something? What's going on? (laughs) A Texan man sued his date for using her phone too much while watching Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 at the cinema. I mean, it's Texas, real. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) I think true, but would would it... Yeah, I think real, yeah. Yeah, it is real. And he, this is the only one of them uh, who kind of won right. so far. Um, and that's because she agreed to give him $17 to cover the price of the cinema ticket if he agreed to leave her alone. <laughs> that's really good. Oh, oh, my God. But how much did, the, did the, like, the lawyers cost? For $17, the lawyers were probably like 1000 Yeah, but it's the principle of it. How annoyed would you be if you were hurt? Pointless. <laughs> Okay, and this is the last one. So it's three to Eddie, two to Alex. This is a double pointer, so it's still all to play for. Let's do it. A Chinese man sued his wife for having an ugly baby due to a secret history of cosmetic surgery hidden from him before they were married. It's a bit unfair, but I actually... I know this is true because I've actually heard this in the past. I know this is definitely true. Oh, wow. That is crazy. Yeah, okay, well, I'm going to have to go true based on that intel that I've just received. <laughs> From Eddie saying it's definitely true. This might true. be a bluff, though. It might be a bluff. Um, yeah, it is true. Yeah. Yeah, it's no, real. he sued his wife because she secretly had plastic surgery, but she hadn't told him about it before they met. So she looked attractive, and then they had kids, and the kids were really ugly. Oh, yeah, the real victims the are the babies, yeah. Imagine, yeah, imagine your dad seeing like your mum. You're like, why? He's like, well, because you're so ugly, son. <laughs> I just had to. like. <laughs> well, apparently the reason that he first started it was because he thought that she cheated on him. Uh, right. And that's why the baby didn't look like him. Oh, I see. Right. Um, 
I don't know if that was before or after he filed the lawsuit, but he won, was the bottom line. Did he not know that all babies are ugly? <laughs> I think that the law is if you've had plastic surgery and you go out with someone, you have to sit them down and just say, by the way, I used to be an absolute monster. Just so you know. Just, you know, just, so, <laughs> just so there's no ambiguity here. <laughs> Our kids are going to be shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so I think that's a nice sort of wholesome, Lovely, deep yeah. moment to end yeah. on for this really... Yeah. We've all learnt a lot. This today, film that was way above <laughs> our level. Yeah. It's, been a game, it's been a game of two halves, this one. Yeah, it has been. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave you to decide which was the better half. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so what are we watching next week? I think we're watching Blinded by the Light. Oh, great idea, yeah. Yes, so tune in next week to hear us talk <laughs> about Bruce Springsteen-themed coming-of-age drama set in Luton, which is close to the he- recording headquarters of mm. the First Rule of Film Club. Mm. We're actually going to record live from where they filmed the uh, the film. <laughs> in the rain. Yeah. Slipping on a Luton banana Airport peel. Luton <laughs> <laughs> I need to I need to brush up on my Bruce Springsteen, because I don't really know. I probably only know about three of his songs. What? Three? I don't, I've never really listened to him. I know his big ones. He's so prolific. I think I know, I know Born to Run, and I know Born in the USA... That's him. That's about it, really. Perfect. Yeah, that that'll do. I mean, that's that's the good ones. That'll get me in. Yeah. <laughs> so, if people want to get in touch with us, how can they do that? Well, they can email us at filmclubrules at gmail They could send us some messages or some funny memes on the Instagram uh, first rule of film club. No, at film club rules. <laughs> Oh, sorry, at Film Club Rules. <laughs> try, try both. <laughs> try both. <laughs> you know what? You've got to keep that in. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, thank you for joining us this week. We look forward to hearing your comments um, and the things that you have to say or maybe just radio silence. Mm, either either, either way, we just like the fact that you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see you next week Excellent. for Blinded by the Light. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.